Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 50, 50 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I, as always, am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. And since it is number 50, something I've always wanted to do since I started this is finally to come true. I have two guests. Welcome, Tony and Michelle. Hello. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like that Reese's peanut butter moment. You know, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate. You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> Who cares? It's a good candy. No, um. Anyway, so yeah, so welcome guys, and uh, this is going to be interesting because me and Tony are completely clueless on what's about to be discussed. The person who holds the keys to the kingdom on this one is Michelle in her devious little hands. Oh my goodness. Oh, in my hands, everything is devious. Anyway, <laughs> well, thanks for the introduction, Ted, for the 50th episode. You know, <laughs> obviously, this is your po- podcast, and you are synonymous with the words, I stand strong. So in the spirit of I stand strong, talking to two of my favorite I stand strong kind of people <laughs> who have very strong opinions, I just figured I, I can't. I can geek, but I can't geek to the level that you two can. But it's more entertaining just to hear you two riff. And so to take the control out of your hands and more present you with just random topics of geekery that maybe you wouldn't have thought about touching with Francis, but to hear your two's opinion on him. And you could guys may have the same opinion. You may strongly differ. It just reminded me of when we had that family game night with Tony, and you know, it was it had to do with different opinions, and you had to state your case and win yeah. points from it. And I was like, that was so much fun. And I was yeah. like, we should do that again. So, <laughs> with that in mind, I went, I did my Google Foo search to look up different topics that throughout, you know these topics you're either one side or the other um so with that in mind to know where i went with it i I didn't stick to just one topic it's random topics so i'm going to start off because i know the three of us have all read this book series Uh oh should should hermione have ended up with harry potter (sighs) who wants to start this one off because Oh, that one there's not going to garner a huge discussion for me. I mean, that that's easy. Of course not. No. Why? Because there's no, there's nothing wrong with the getting the getting the Weasley sister with Ginny. Yes. There's. Uh-huh. I was going to say there's there's not an argument involved on this one either because like I always like I have always stood ag- stood against the whole. Oh no, Harry was supposed to end up with Hermione. That was the logical ending. No, it wasn't. No. Ron and Hermione were the odd couple that deserved to be together. She was the ball-busting bitch he needed. She's an insufferable twat, too. You don't want your main <laughs> character to be stuck with her. <clears throat> now, I mean, are there other people that Harry could have ended up with? Probably. I can't I was think... I say, okay, since the, the main question was, should have Hermione been with Harry? You know, should Cho Chang have been with Harry then? Oh, you know, would that? I don't. Nah, she was too. She was too stuck on Cedric. She was never going to get over that. Um, <laughs> see, the problem's like I don't know who he should have ended up with other than Jenny, because Jenny seemed really logical when it when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, True. I mean, you could throw in Luna. 
Lovegood. No, she was meant for Neville. She was meant for Neville the whole way. Like, the second they introduced her, I'm like, oh, that's Neville's future wife. Yep. (laughs) They can be odd together in that little corner of the universe. Yep. Did she end up with him? I thought, like, they dated, but they didn't... Um... It's not like canon in the books, if I remember right, but it is heavily implied in um, the movies. Actually, you know, I, I've only read The Cursed Child once, and I think they might make reference to the fact that Neville and Luna have a kid that's going to Hogwarts that year. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Jinx, you owe me coke. Jinx, you owe me coke. Oh, you didn't keep it going. <laughs> That would have made riveting radio or riveting <laughs> podcast right there. Just five minutes of Jinx Yomi Coke, Jinx Yomi Coke, Jinx Yomi Coke. <laughs> Ted's gonna name this episode Jinx Yomi Coke. You uh, might be on to it something. There you go. Uh, there you go. Episode fifty. Uh, all right. Easy question, apparently. Yeah, that all was right. a good one, though. Well, no, there's there was a possibility that one or both of us could have felt the other way. I I don't know. Like I I just know how I feel about it. I do. All right. right. Next one up. Classics versus modern Pixar. Which one's better? Pixar classic versus modern Pixar? What's the the break? Disney classics like Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. Beauty and the Beast was, I think, was like the last one. uh, Or no, it goes to the last. I honestly feel that you can't say one is better than the other. They're, They're different, but... And 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 ex and different. They're different, but enjoyable. Like it's kind of like how uh, there's there's board games and there's video games. What's better? Well, they're not better. They're just different. Yeah, I I, oh, I kind of feel like this is this is like this is like trying to compare apples to oranges because it's like I enjoy both, but they're they are in many. Even though like Disney is the parent company over Pixar, um. They are very different. Like I think Pixar chooses to tell a lot more adult stories with a kid leaning. Where you know you go to those those old Disney class. I mean, I guess if you go to the old Disney classics, there's some dark ass shit in there too. Mm-hmm. But well, it and, still and feels way of- more like a ki- straight up kid movie with just like little things for adults. Mm-hmm. Well, and they kind of when the, with the Disney classics, they change certain stories because you know how they were originally written was way too dark. And mm-hmm. for Disney, they didn't want to do that, so they kind of you know changed the story to make it more like like you said, more kid friendly than yeah. how it was originally intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and and more to your point, more to your, your point, the storytelling for both is great, and the. As far as the, I think with Pixar, you you appeal to a more younger audience because of all the graphics and everything else. Whereas the labor of animation that they did for the Disney classics, you know, you appreciate all that hard work and time that the animators put into it. Yeah. Okay. And, now, see, so th- th- this makes me, I, I have one question to throw to the two of you off this one then. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Pixar movie and what's your favorite Disney like traditional Disney animated movie? All right, I'll let Francis go first. Mm, traditional it's uh, no question it's Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Strong and choice. Then, and then Pixar. Hmm, I'd probably say Toy Story 2. Oh, really? For some reason I thought you were going Incredibles all the way. Oh, I forgot about Incredibles. <laughs> Yeah, I changed my answer. <laughs> Best Fantastic Four movie never made. Yes, um, exactly. Okay, 
Michelle? Francis, I, I, well, before I answer, Francis, why is Robin Hood your favorite, you know, Disney classic movie? I don't know. I just love that movie. It, it, it's just a perfect self-contained hero story. Mm-hmm. You know, the the hero has his journey from being a, you know, the the outcast, and, and you know, and through the course of the movie, you know, obviously because he's you know for the people, he he gets he gets more gains more and more notoriety. He gets the girl. Yeah, which which I, I that's still one of my favorite movie moments ever in a Disney movie when, when he swings in rescues Maid Marian, and he and he's like Maid Marian is like Marian won't you marry me? Well, he's swinging with her and she's like Oh Robin, I thought you would never ask. I'm like you, sm- you smooth smooth mother. <laughs> no, I I, I can I can't fault it. Okay, Michelle, come on. Uh, all right, Disney classic, obviously. No holds barred. It's Dumbo. That's uh, been my, okay. my favorite. That's been my favorite Disney classic movie. Even when they remade it, Tim Burton remade the. And trust me, coming from somebody who's watched the live action, you know, um, retellings of some of the Disney classics, it, you know, I was worried because I didn't care for the Beauty and the Beast one. I thought Aladdin itself was okay, mm-hmm. but the fact that they were putting out Dumbo, I was really, really, obviously it's really close to my heart because of being, you know, Dumbo being in the cast and the, the story oh. of having a friend in Timothy the Mouse and becoming, you know, uh, and, you know, feeling like an outcast and using that to his advantage. That's what I loved about Dumbo. Mm-hmm. A Pixar movie? Oh, God. I, I, there's so many, but obviously I love Wally. That is such a cute movie, um, and just the story between Wally and Eve and his journey to get back to her. It, it, it was just really a well done story. So those are my two favorite out of those two. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll I'll just throw mine out there, Spitfire, because like. My like the, the 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 traditional Disney one is hard for me to decide on because there's two that are just like so leaps and bounds above them all to me. But uh, Pixar, I'd probably also go with The Incredibles just because, like I said, best Fantastic Four movie ever made, even though it's not called Fantastic Four. Traditional Disney, uh, God, it's either Aladdin or Lion King. I could go back and forth depending on the day on which one's better. Wow, well, I'm surprised you didn't say Black Cauldron. Oh, I love that movie, but that I the I think the reason I kind of take that out is because like I always like that movie is so different from everything. That it just I don't think of it as a Disney movie most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is it's almost, so it's almost different. More like a, it, it almost feels more like a Don Bluth movie. Yeah, it feels like a Don Bluth. Yeah, Which definitely. Is. Was was he part of Disney's animation team when that one was made? I wouldn't be shocked if he was. Yeah, I have no idea. A, a, a question for another time to be like, yeah, Google, tell me. <laughs> was Don Bluth on the payroll when that movie came out? Yeah, no shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a good question, but like I said, like I don't... I, I can't... I, I see those two different formats total, as totally different species, so... Yeah, but I think they both have their place and they both should be respected for the work that goes into making them. I mean... Uh, a lot of people will look at you know, computer animated films and think, oh, they're easier to make than, than traditional yeah. animation. And it's like, well, they're, they're different, but I wouldn't say it's easier. I mean, no. 
you need yeah. a lot of, you need you need a lot of a uh, lot of education to be able to properly make uh, make a three D movie. Yeah, well, and that's what some of the best bloopers have been from the computer animation part, and how like you know trying to make a character do this, and all of a sudden like the design goes way off handle, like you know. Yeah, some of the infamous Shrek ones I remember from like Shrek, where it's like faces just went all kinds of crazy, nightmare yeah. fuel. Oh, Flynn Rider. I'm sure that the reason why all of his wanted posters was because of animation gone awry. I'm like, they're not even trying. I bet you anything that was because of, like you said, like, you know, they did one thing in Tangled and all of a sudden Flynn Rider has this big old nose or didn't even look like Flynn Rider anymore. Uh Yeah. But. But no, it was, it's just a question, you know, obviously it's just a good question. You know, some people may feel it's black or white. But. Oh, I can guarantee if you ask that sis- that question to my sister, Melissa, she would say the, the classic Disney animation all the way. Yeah. I, I, I don't think she hates the Pixar movies, but I think she definitely would probably put those classic Disney way above anything Pixar's ever done. Mm-hmm. Potentially. All yeah. right. So, a question near and dear to my own heart, and I think we've had this question before, but since there's been more additions to who's taken on the role of this character, Uh I'm going to ask, who is the best Batman? Oh, God, I knew this was coming. (laughs) Go ahead, Ted. Okay, then I'm going to start by uh, asking, uh, 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 for for finer, finer points on this, do you want who's the best, better Batman or who's the better overall, like encompassing the Bruce Wayne side of things too? Because there is a very different answer here. Mm, give me both answers because <sighs> I haven't gone that far. The best, just like straight Batman, <sighs> Michael Keaton all the way. Batman, yeah, Batman 89, and even Batman Returns. I mean, the the movie may not be great, but he's still amazing as, like, the whole package. Mm -hmm. But if I went with just, like, the best person to be just Bruce Wayne and I think has the most potential and just got shitty movies for it, I'm sorry, Ben Affleck is the best Bruce Wayne. Oh. In live action. In live action. Better Better than Clooney? Yeah, I actually think I actually think that if you gave Ben Affleck a good script, not something that Zack Snyder wrote, I think he could have made that character as iconic as Christian Bale is to a lot of people, but not to me. I, I, I respect that answer, but I'm like, I don't know. I would still put Clooney, maybe even Kilmer ahead of him. As, as just I, Bruce I, Wayne. I was going to say, I'm like, oh. As, as Bruce Wayne. As Bruce Wayne, yeah. And, uh, the only reason I brought this up was because all three of us have finally watched The Flash. And no uh-huh. spoilers, but the whole... Oh, you know, spoil away. Oh. You're not ruining a great movie. I'm not... <laughs> yeah, spoilers, it sucks. <laughs> not, no spo- spoiler, no spoiler. Um, but, you know, the fact that that movie took, you know, took the ripple effect to that point of what can happen if you mess with time, you know, and it reminds you, you know, of the different Batman and reiterations of Superman, obviously. Uh Um, Yeah. 
but with that being said, like, and in since we've had that conversation, you've added on Robert Pattinson as a young Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, there's been the um, Gotham series, TV series, where uh, Bruce. I don't think. Well, no, Bruce Wayne is like a young kid in that show. He's he's you know still grappling with you know being broody Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you have that. So you have all these new people who have or new actors who have taken on the role um and so it's just interesting to see who was like you said is it the full package of the entire persona that is batman versus and bruce wayne is it you know if you could take all these different aspects of all these different um portrayals of bruce wayne and batman what would make your perfect batman mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah for me i mean uh one answer, you know, obviously, one answer of, is for both, and, and it's Kevin Conroy. He's the best Batman. He's the best Bruce Wayne. See, I was going to say, uh, like, I was reading the co- question as in live action, but yes, I was, I was going to say once we got everything, I was going to say, but we, I think we can all agree, the best Batman of all time will always be Kevin Conroy, even though you never see his face as the character, mm-hmm. because he his subtle changes in voice between Batman and Bruce Wayne, like is something you don't even realize is going on mm-hmm. until you really pay attention. But anyways, but okay. So what is, okay. If we're going live action, Tony, who, who, who do you think is the best Batman? God, well, de- probably Keaton, but yeah, but, and then, but it, it's, it's tough for me on the, on the uh, Bruce Wayne side. I think it's Clooney. I really do. I won't take like okay. I will, I will put the asterisks out there of the fact that like I do like him as Bruce Wayne. I think he plays the playboy part well. Mm-hmm. The problem is he was in such a shitty movie. I think that just drags it through the dirt on that. But then again, but then again, Christian Bale played the playboy part well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but I, and and once again, you know what takes him out of the running? I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the other drugs going? <laughs> you know, like it's it's amazing how just the 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 like one decision. Oh, even though with with George Clooney's part, it wasn't his decisions that screwed him. But like, I don't know. It's like, but then I also think it's it's a the you know, it's kind of a sign that you know what was the, it was a joke that Flash ended up in the Schumacher verse with. <laughs> What's his name at the end of the Flash movie that wasn't meant mm-hmm. to be something other than a joke? Mm-hmm. That should kind of tell you what they thought thought of that. <laughs> and it's I, and hashtag it's also kind of really or I shouldn't say hashtag, but you know, as a side note, it's also kind of sad that Val Kilmer couldn't have had some kind of a cameo appearance in the yeah. Flashpoint the Flashpoint movie. He's still with us, right? It's it just he his no all messed up didn't he. He hasn't passed away. Oh, for dude, maybe I'm having a Mandela effect here. Okay, I for some reason I thought he had passed away recently. No, No. he's still he's still alive. It's just like he was in the um, Top Gun Maverick, Mm -hmm. and and they killed killed him off in that movie. Yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler, no spoiler. Um, but yeah, they they (laughs) killed him off in that movie. Um. So maybe but, that's that, maybe that's why you're thinking he's dead. Dead was it? Yeah. I haven't I haven't seen that movie to be exact. Oh, okay. 
Um, I was going to say, like, the best best movie role I've seen him in is playing uh, Blunt Man at the end of uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Even though that was the first time I realized, like, I'm like, oh, my God, that's how the fuck did I didn't recognize him? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, his, his throat's completely ruined from the cancer, so... Yeah, bless his heart. But yeah, yeah. yeah. if they if they could have out of both the Schumacher Batman's, uh, Kilmer was the better. You know, he he encompassed that whole. He didn't over the top the you know the Batman voice, mm-hmm. but I you know I think he downplayed Batman. Um, but he did live up to that debonair you know, um, kind of Bruce Wayne persona really well. Yeah. Um, but with Michael Keaton, I think he, for me, obviously, I agree with Francis. The, the best Batman will always be Kevin Conroy, even though he was just the voice. Um, but with Batman 89, you know, Michael Keaton, he played a charming, debonair um, Bruce Wayne, but, you know, very dark and brooding as Batman. That first one, especially, he didn't mm-hmm. go over the top or anything else like that, you know. Um, and then the the second one, I feel like he really delved into the got more comfortable in the role mm-hmm. um, to kind of camp it up a little bit, maybe use a little more humor to it. Um, but you know, but he's he's always going to be my favorite, you know, live action Batman. But I do appreciate those side notes. Um, the um, the Robert Pattinson Batman. I really enjoyed what they did with that one, even though he's a young, you know, Bruce like kind of Batman Begins kind of era of Batman. Mm-hmm. I think he did really well as Batman. Um, and you know, he he didn't get to play the debonair part because he was still mourning his parents and doing the emo Bruce Wayne, but he still, still did really well. I love that you mentioned uh, uh, Bat, uh, Batman Begins or Batman Year One. Have you read that, Michelle? Um, I I don't yeah, think so I have good. read it yet. So good. Yeah, that Year One is really good. Um, And I will say, I, I really like Robert Pattinson. I think he does a way better job than I thought he was going to do in that movie. Mm-hmm. If I, even if I feel like that movie goes a half hour longer than it needed to. I just had the same thought in my head. I really feel like once once you have like kind of the face off between Riddler and Batman in the you know in the prison, you could have ended that movie. You didn't need all the extra stuff with like the, the pre-designated attack that goes on and all that kind of stuff. It just felt like it dragged on, but that said, it, it's like I think it's still better than some of the other Batman movies that have come before it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was definitely better than Batman and Robin for sure. Now yeah. here's here's a like once again you you've keyed a question for me on this one. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite Alfred? Oh God. Oh, you even have to. You know what? I just re- remembered we forgot Will Arnett from Lego. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, we'll we'll give him a we'll give him like a close third because I think you know you like Kevin Con- Kevin Conroy and 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 Michael Keaton are top two, depending on where you want to put them one and two. 
Yeah, Will Arnett's got to be a third because, dude, he takes the... Well, I don't know because, like, you also have, like, Adam West up there. Like, as cheesy as Adam West is as Batman. Uh-huh. Oh, God. But, you know, he Will Arnett's voice played well to both the Bruce Wayne persona and the Batman persona. But he um, does very much play Bruce as as just Batman. Like, his voice doesn't really change a whole lot between the two. But that's kind of the joke of it, is, like, there's no real mystery that Bruce is Batman. And I kind of get the feeling that, like, everybody knows that he's Batman. <laughs> In the Lego universe, yeah, there's no mistake yeah. which, one, which one is which. But, um... Well, now I forgot what the question was before. Who's your favorite Alfred? <laughs> Oh, my favorite Alfred, because I think that brought it up because of Ray Fiennes playing as Alfred in Lego Batman. I was like, oh, man. And then you've got um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Uh, Alfred Goh. Gow. Yeah. um, But then you have uh, Jeremy Irons played him in the Snyderverse. And, um, oh, God, I had his name and I lost it. The guy that played Gollum was... Alfred in uh, the Robert Pattinson uh, one. Yeah. Um, shoot. Oh, that's Andy, right. Andy, Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Thank you. God. Uh, I had his name until just before I had to say it. <laughs> but no, uh, for me, it would definitely be uh, Michael Caine because uh, he, out of all the uh, out of all the Alfreds, he's the one that brings the most fatherly element to it. Ooh, that's that's a good choice. Like. I, 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 and you got to yeah. think, there's a real familiar attachment to the two. I mean, he had to raise that boy after his parents died. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think, like I said, I I think he'll go to Michael Caine, but a close second to me is actually Jeremy Irons in there. Yeah. I'm sorry, like I love I love his like because he plays more of the like the hard the hard edged version they've done in a couple different interpretations where he's like mm-hmm. not really the butler as much as he's like maybe a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, oh god, all of them—they played well to the Batman that they were playing against. So that, that's a that's know, a good point. The Alfred Go one has a special place in my heart because he was the first one who took the helm as Alfred. I don't even think you could say I don't think there was a Alfred in the Adam West. Oh Batman. yeah, man, yeah, there was. was there? He's forgettable, but he's there. Yeah. See, obviously, because I don't remember, and I do love me some Adam Wee. <laughs> but uh, no, dude, that that the the Alfred in uh, in that Batman TV series was awesome. Dude, there were there were several episodes where he put on the bat costume, and, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen this. Like to me, he's he's almost forgettable because they and they also always talk about Aunt. Well, who's Aunt, the Aunt Harriet? Yeah. Aunt Harriet, yeah, which is like who. <laughs> But uh, no, the guy that the guy that plays uh, Alfred. It's funny when they would put him in the bat suit because he like supposed to step in. You know, like in those times when it's like you need to see Batman and, and Bruce Wayne at the same time. But like, but it's like, dude. But it's like the dude, the, the guy, the guy that plays Alfred in that show was is like a foot taller than Adam West. It cracks me up. <laughs> I I didn't even realize they had done that, and I thought I'd seen most of the episodes for that Batman. But now I'm gonna have to relook. Yeah, the. With Alfred, even when you bring that up, like Lego Batman kind of goes into that because 
Ray Fine's care, you know, portrayal of Alfred in that, you know, he gets to put on a suit to help, you know, fight crime. Um, yeah. And it's, but I think out of all of them, um, I would have to agree. Michael Caine just played it very well. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I think Tony distilled it perfectly with the line that he's he's very much the the surrogate father position. And he plays it so well down to the point like he was willing to risk losing Bruce in that third movie by not giving him that letter from uh, Rachel. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew that by holding that he was taking a chance at losing Bruce in his life forever because that's how much she meant to him. But he knew he couldn't take it in that moment. So good, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a fun little, a little fun fact: the guy that played Alfred in the Batman TV ser- or in the TV series was a uh, Alan Napier. Mm-hmm. So they use his name for Jack Napier in the in the sixty six. Okay. In the eighty nine movie. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Like. I was like. I thought you were saying the name. I'm like. That's supposed to mean something other than the the connection to Jack Napier eighty nine. Like, I thought you were getting across like who like maybe he was something else famous like the oh, actor. No. But okay, just, uh, just na- naming a Joker Jack Napier. That's that awesome. Was, was an homage to him. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. So next topic. <laughs> so <laughs> is three D necessary? For movies that come out into theater. Easiest question ever. No. <laughs> How about no? Never. Never. I'm... There, there, there's a reason why 3D makes a comeback like roughly every 20 years or so, and it always fizzles out. Mm-hmm. It, it was huge in the 50s. It died. It was huge in the 70s. It died. It was huge in the 90s. It died. Stop. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants it. Well, well I think no, no. I wouldn't say nobody. Nobody wants it long term. It's one of those things where they roll it out. It has that niche market for a flash in the pan, and then it's gone again because people realize, oh wait a second, I'm paying more money for something that's most of the time tacked on after the fact. I mean, yes, you do have in more modern. They've made movies directly to be 3d mm-hmm. avatar for everybody who loves it i think that movie is beautiful but it's a horrible movie like visually that movie is beautiful mm-hmm. but i think the storyline is so freaking cookie cutter that there was nothing special about it other than the 3d it was mark made to market james cameron wanting to sell the 3d technology yep. i love that it's called fern gully meets dancing with wolves there's a reason that way they call it that it's not wrong. But no, like, but. so yeah, as it's probably pretty clear, I agree with Tony on this. I think 3D is a really bad uh, gimmick that people roll out to try to make some extra money. And yeah, it comes back every, like, I think, yeah, for some reason, yeah, every 20 years, they seem to think, oh, you know, maybe they'll like it this time. Mm-hmm. The technology's grown a little bit. Maybe it'll work this time. And it works for a little while. You can't argue with the fact that it has it that moment where everybody's all in on it and then it just disappears again i was going to say the tagline after the question when i looked it up was 
like you said, it's Hollywood's way of trying to drain another dollar out of the consumer. Or are there just certain movies that were, you know, should be, you know, 3D or whichever else. Like you said, like, you know, Avatar was primarily tried to be built around 3D and everything else like that. But I, I have to agree with both of you. It's just not necessary. It's a nice novelty every once in a while. For example, uh-huh. classic movies that you're used to. I remember we went to go and see... Excuse me. Um, yeah, the, cam- the mic picked that the whole thing. Oh, I knew it would. I'm like, Jesus, what are you guys drinking right before you go on to a podcast? I'm having tea and I have not belched as loud as you two have. I have a bell shit all. Thank you. Not on, not on, not on reco- while we're recording. No. <laughs> but um, in either case, um, in the nine, no, it was actually mid two thousands, maybe late two thousands. They did. They re-released the Nightmare Before Christmas as three D. Mm-hmm. And I remember all of us being like, "Oh!" And we went. Ted, my son, I was, and I was excited for that. Yeah, and his sister went. And there were certain elements that they added that you know you can appreciate as 3D. And most of the time, like when he goes to Christmas Town and it's snowing and it looks like it's snowing in the theater, that was super cool. Um, it was just kind of a nice novelty every now and then. But to try to drain an extra buck during the summer summer blockbusters by making you can either see it in 3d or you can see it in you know regular def who mm-hmm. who's and gonna pay that extra money to see it in 3d when you're gonna get like at least five bucks knocked off of the astronomical prices and this this is where i will say one good thing about the 3d technology of current day is when they decide to start using 3d as a depth thing it at least works better than what it was in like the 80s like for example I love Friday the 13th Part 3, but that movie was filmed for 3D in the early 80s. And every five seconds, there's something that they're shoving at the screen because they wanted that jump fact of, oh, look, the, you know, the rod is coming out of the screen at you. So, like, you'll just have, like, some random guy, like, doing something. He's, like, moving, like, a curtain rod or something and aiming it towards the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's so hokey <laughs> that at least the depth that they've done, like with Avatar, it was more of a depth thing than stuff flying at the screen. And that's, I think, why Nightmare Before Christmas worked was because, yeah, it gave a depth to the movie. Was it something I was, I'd was i want to own and rewatch it in 3D? Hell no. I don't need to see that movie in 3D regularly. But it was a fun one-time experience. Yeah, but agreed. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next question. <clears throat> oh. Best best Marvel Chris. Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans? Oh, I think you probably found the one question that's going to put us at opposite ends here. Maybe. That's because is there even a choice for me in this one? Maybe. You you have painted me into a corner because there is no proper choice I can make other than the god that is Chris Hemsworth. Oh my god. Dude, I'm so glad you can't hear eye rolls cuz oh my god. Carved <laughs> from stone. <laughs> no. No. I got two words for you. America's ass. <laughs> <laughs> that is America's ass. No, I and I can't I can't fault anybody, but let, let's face it. 
you know, the people listening may not know my extreme fascination with Thor, but like asking me that question, you had to know there was only one choice for me. I know I will. I, I already knew. I will respect America's ass and I will respect the Star Lord, but Hemsworth is just like, especially considering the fact that, okay, this is, this is my big argument for Hemsworth that I think maybe could prove a point. If you look at at least Thor's growth throughout the movies, he goes way more places than most of the other characters go in those movies. From straight up God to being like, you know, then they start when they, but when they start introducing like the, the comedy aspect to it, his character grows a little bit. Where with Chris Evans, he kind of stays the same character, but it's an awesome character the whole way. And I feel the same way with Chris Pratt. Indeed. At least Hemsworth's character, like he has a char- more of a character arc to me. And I realize I'm just grasping at straws to try to prove to you why I'm, to validate why I have such a fascination with Chris Hemsworth. So I'm just going to shut up now. I was just waiting for Ted to say, uh, he, he, he's no, he's no uh, Carl Urban, but he'll do. Hey, you have no idea how epic it was for me to see Carl Urban and Chris Hemsworth in a scene together in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could hear the geek wood rising in that moment. Can, can you imagine, though, if Carl Urban had taken over the, the role of Thor, like the amount of spooge that we would have to be cleaning off of ourselves oh, from God. Ted? Just like, oh, God. The nerd boner that Ted would have just... I, I I don't know what I would do with that. <laughs> that may have broken me. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the that wasn't the question. Just, just a, a that's that is that is a, a like a, a multiverse thought process that has has shattered everything I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's next level thinking for you right there. But yeah. so you're you're gonna go with Chris Evans, the American ass. Why is that, Francis? Just because of his ass? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Plus he gets bonus points for being a Lucas Lee, so Oh see now now you're branching out away from the universe, uh, but I give I'll give you, well no. No, but you can't argue with the fact okay, Chris Evans has been Lucas Lee, he's been Johnny Storm. And he's been uh, Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know, who else has played three different comic characters in, you know, throughout? <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't technically a Marvel. Lucas Lee wasn't a Marvel character. No, I wasn't saying Marvel. I just said comic characters in general. Uh, which is fair. But, but yeah, being that Chris Hem or not Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans has taken on two Marvel roles. He does have that above Hemsworth and Pratt. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Michelle. Then who? Like which which Chris is yours? I, for me, it's Chris Evans, and it's okay. not because of America's ass. Because <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, you know. Okay, so Chris Evans is America's ass. You know, Chris Hemsworth would be Asgard's Australia's, ass. Well, Australia's ass. Okay, and, that's fair. You know, or Asgard's ass, either way. Well, I was going to go with, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth is Asgard's ass, and Chris Pratt is the universe's ass. 
there you go. Um, but for me, I I enjoyed Captain America and Chris Evans's portrayal of Captain America. Like every single one of the Captain America movies was so very well done by Chris Evans. Um, and when it comes to and you know taking it to the point that he played Johnny Storm. Like, I never read the Fantastic Four things, but when I heard you guys tell me about, you know, Johnny Storm and the Fantastic Four, he played that role really well. Mm-hmm. Um, well I, th- I think him and Michael Chiklis were the two standouts of that that movie series. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that he's taken on two roles and done them very well... Um, he he just seems to be the better Marvel Chris out of all of them. That, that's fair. So. And uh, just a side note, I just remembered actually uh, Chris Evans has actually played four comic book characters because I forgot he was also in The Losers. And was, he also in, was he also in Snowblind? Yeah. Snowblind? You mean Snow, no, uh, Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer. Yes, that, so five. Jesus Christ, the man's just a comic book machine. Apparently. Acting-wise, at least. You can still change your answer, Ted. No, I, 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 I have... No, here, final no, no. Answer. I will... answer. I No, I'm not even going to say final answer. I'm going to say I stand strong, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my God, I said the name of the show. <laughs> kind of the point why I asked some of these questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, good times. Uh... Okay. <laughs> so what you got? What You got anything else there for us? I, I got one more bonus one, and it Ooh. came up because I, I've been reading or different things now that I'm past tax season in, in my career and everything else and catching up on different pop culture, whether it's audiobooks, um, like I'm reading, or reading, quote unquote, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Oh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> In all honesty, if you haven't heard the audiobook, that is amazing. They you know, who reads it? I can't remember who reads it, but they add like all this extra, like background. Like you hear the whoosh, whoosh, when somebody goes through a door or mm-hmm. a little beeping sound. That's awesome. Almost like a ra- they, like a radio drama. Uh, exactly that. And the guy who reads it does voices. You know, obviously he's not a hundred percent a ringer for you know, like Leia or anything else like that. Or, and he doesn't, I, I feel like Luke and Leia aren't his strong ones, but like he does a great Admiral Akbar. He does a great Han Solo. Um, even to hear Thrawn, you know, through him, I was like, yeah, I can totally see that. Even though I haven't read the book before, but I've had you guys tell me that I uh, need to read the trilogy. That, that, that series is still some of the best Star Wars stories that's ever been put out there. Hey, Michelle, have you watched uh, all of Ahsoka yet? Yes, I did watch all yeah. of the Ahsoka. But yeah, I think cause... I missed something on that last episode, though, because mm-hmm. I I felt like it jumped to... I don't I don't know where Ray Stevenson's... Where, why Ray Stevenson's character is where he's at. And so I'm like, I feel like I missed something. And mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure I watched everything. So I'm like, how... How did I get here? Yeah. So I'm like, I gotta rewatch like the last two episodes, but mm. I thought it was well done. Uh, no, no, the guy that plays Thrawn is like exactly what I pictured from the books. Like he he does a fantastic job. 
which is interesting because the guy who does the voice for Thrawn in the audiobooks, like, as he, he speaks just like the actor that, you know, in Ahsoka. And now, so I was like, oh, that's so well done. Do either of you guys know, because I can't remember this, the guy that plays uh, Thrawn on Ahsoka, isn't it the same guy that voiced him on Rebels? I don't know. I want to say it's the same guy that voiced him in animated form for Rebels, much like Rosario Dawson voiced uh, Ahsoka in in previous animated things, and Katie Sackhoff voiced Bo-Katan. Hmm. They, See, I never watched Rebels, so I didn't even know. I didn't even no. know Bo-Katan was a was a Rebels. Uh, she might like. Well, I know Ahsoka was first introduced in Clone Wars. No, I haven't. I haven't seen any of it. I just going from what I've heard. Um, but yeah, yeah. Fun fact. Um, but yeah, no. And so Ted and I were kind. Of, I was just kind of catching up with Ted because I and I think I was telling Ted because of Ready Player One. Like I, I had caught up on that book too, and by audiobook, and then um, I watched the movie. And I tried watching it before I had read the book, and I, I couldn't really get into it. You guys had hyped it up so much, like, Michelle's going to love this book, all the pop culture <laughs> references. And so when I watched the movie the first time, like, I had stopped at, like, the um, at the, the, um, the race that they have towards the very beginning. And I was like, I j- for some reason, I guess I'd have to be there. I just don't know. I, I see all these references and I can appreciate them, but I just can't get into the story. And then after reading the book and going back, like looking at it and being like, oh, yeah, that wasn't in there, but I understand why. Or I can appreciate it. And, and knowing where the story, story goes and everything else, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, but it did spark a, a question for me. Um, what was the what do you think in your guys's opinion was the best book to movie translation as far as you mean like for like what we have with star wars so far no in okay. general like best in general best book to film translation mm-hmm. oh that's a hard one like for so for I, me i gave you oh, go re- ahead. ready player one and then, like, as of recent, I, although I've never read the the works of Edgar Allan Poe, I have been watching The Fall of the House of Usher, mm-hmm. um, and that is really well done. Yeah, but I can um, almost guarantee from Mike Flanagan's previous stuff, it's loosely based on the Edgar Allan Poe story. And, and that's mm. what I kind of read is, you know, obviously reading the Cliff Notes. You know, they make mess. They make references to different things from the works, but they don't actually, you know, follow it, you know, word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, it, I don't think Ready Player One was one of those best ones. But I was curious. We always say, oh, that that one was terrible. Oh, mm-hmm. the book was so much better. Yeah, like a good 95 percent of the time, that's what people will tell you is, oh, the book. You know, the book was better than the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one for me is. And I only say this because the book the book was so good, and the fact that the movie was as amazing as it was, I give respect to it, and it might be the best in my opinion. Is that uh, it, the The Martian? The the oh okay fair. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read The Martian yet, so I don't know. But I remember seeing the movie and like it. But I've heard it's fairly 
fairly straight across. Fairly, uh, uh, it, it kind of takes liberties towards the end, but uh, but uh, it's like they're different but equally good. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like they're both really good. You can appreciate where the movie went with it. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> the, the Martian would probably be mine. This is this is a tough one because it's one of those where you'll, you'll have an answer now and like an hour from now. Well, like, it's no, like it's just like I'm trying to think of like what was a book that I've read that when they made the movie, like I had basically the the least complaints about things they had to change because it, it, you go into any movie that's based on a book, you know they're going to have to change things. Given Ready Player One is the height of that because there's no way you could make that book straight across to the movie. The rights alone would keep that movie from being released. Mm-hmm. That said, like the first one, I'll just go with the first one that popped into my head and it is fairly accurate, but it does take some liberties, but I think it almost makes takes the right liberties is Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, that's solid. It's a good book. It's a great book, but the movie comes across and does what it needs to to tell that story and the only thing it really takes, like really heavily takes out of that story is all the deep, deep science stuff that Michael Crichton crammed into the middle of it that was actually kind of boring anyways. Because uh-huh. Michael Crichton, like he's a great writer, but man, he gets really fascinated with the science of things. And so he does the, the, the science dump in the middle of a book to the point where you're like, okay, I understand nothing of what you're telling me right now. <laughs> and wasn't thank God they all like the oh. same thing for you, Ted. What wasn't the relic the same thing for you? How they how they did the book, the relic versus the movie. Okay, the movie, the relic is a '90s classic. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Um, I remember you picked me up at one point in time the first book because it's actually technically that movie is based on two books. Because they did the relic and they did a second one called the reliquary or something like that. And they kind of took those two together and just smashed them together to make the movie. Mm. Um, And they took out like actually in the book what is the best character of the book. Which is the character that actually only character that carries over through those books and into various other books afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um. But that's beside the point. No, that, yeah, it was it was a pretty good, you know, like, I will say, like, you know, straight up story, the book, The Relic, was way better. But I will always love the 90s cheese factor that was The Relic movie. It's right up there with Deep Rising as far as being just like a cheesy schlockfest monster movie that's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I would have to say for, for me, because I didn't read a whole lot of books, um, not because I, I couldn't read, obviously. It was just, I, it, it was just not. Damn illiteracy. <laughs> and I never learned how to read. Exactly. You know what the worst part is? I never learned to read. Is that true? Um, well, everything except for the never learning to read part. But it was just never enforced in my household of reading as a, as a hobby. It was a necessity and I wish my parents had pushed it more or I was just more interested in it. But, you know, certain certain 80s 90s kids you got plopped in front of a tv or you know a computer or video game and that's what i i drifted to mostly but it was thanks to you guys you know putting in front of me 
you know, you need to read this graphic novel and you need to read that, you know, I really think you're going to re- enjoy this one. Um, like uh, the Harry Potter series, I didn't get to read. I was just too slow. And Ted had read them like two or three times. So at a certain point, like he would ask me, did you get to this point? And I'd be like, no, I've had to work. And <laughs> so at a certain point, like Ted read them, you know, all to me at one point. Um and so, you know, at a certain point, you know, I just ended up picking them up because I would fall asleep. <laughs> and I'd be like, I can't remember if Ted read that to me or maybe I dreamed it. But, and especially watching the movies, I'm like, wait, that's exactly how I, th- I pictured it in my mind. So mm-hmm. I just had to oh. pick the books up and read it. See, the Harry Potter book, like movies, they did certain things right, but they did a whole lot wrong in the long run of that series. Well, it's just, I mean, most of that comes down to runtime. You can't fit everything into a movie. Well, no, but, like, the key, the, the, the point that I will always make on where the movies went wrong, which I like the movies, don't get me wrong, is the third book slash movie, you have a key storyline that involves Harry's father. Explaining where the Marauder's Map came from, explaining how uh, Sirius Black was an uh, Animagus and they never, but nobody knew about it, explaining why Harry's freaking Patronus is a stag, and they completely cut that out of the third movie. Mm -hmm. But then after that, they go ahead with the movies as if they told you that. So there are people, if they didn't read the books, they're like, what? They probably just saw it as happenstance. Um, Looking over my shoulder, I can think of another book that that was fairly good at adaptation. Uh, The Maze Runner series. The movies were fairly good adaptations of the books. Mm -hmm. Um, For for me, because I'm still trying to catch up on all of the Michelle, you got to read this (laughs) books and everything. Um, for me, the very first one that stands out in my mind is Scott Pilgrim versus the world, um, graphic novel and, um, Edgar Wright taking on, you know, making a live action of it, you know, the the little, you know, pop-up things, uh, all of it was just so well done. Um, you know, and exactly how how it was drawn on the pages of that graphic novel to see it in real life, you know, was so much... It was a fun read, and it was a fun watch, so I, that was my favorite. Okay, so that... that, that, that break, wow, I got another question because of this, and it's similar to the first question you asked. Um, mm-hmm. Because of where the movie was originally supposed to end, but because of the way the comic books... The comics ended differently... What is your thoughts? Who was Scott? Who should have Scott ended up with? Knives or Ramona? Ramona, he he doesn't need to be a pedophile. Well, no, but the problem is, every, like, <laughs> there is this movement that believes that, like, at the end of that story, his arc should have ended with him with knives, and I'm like, why? No, no. She's she's underage. She was way too cool for him, like she says in the movie. <laughs> like he was. He was where he needed to be at the end of the books and at the end of that movie. Even though Edgar Wright, yeah, was, I guess, like, he had it all filmed and everything where he ends up with knives. Yeah, I don't like that. No, she's supposed to end up with young Neil. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I'll throw a monkey wrench in there. What if What if he was meant to end up with Envy Adams? 
Ooh. Well, no. she is the hottest one in the group. I'm sorry. She she is, but she's also the, the bitchiest. I was going to say, no, everybody knows. No. No, everybody knows he was supposed to end up with the chick, the chick that Aubrey Plaza played. Oh. That's awesome. He should have ended up with the drummer. Yeah. Yeah, he should have ended up with Kim. Yeah, because well, after all, he did punch a guy so hard he saw the curvature of the earth. <laughs> All because of her. Uh-huh. But in in all honesty, in his in his story arc, I don't think at that moment he should have ended up with anybody. I think he needed to, you know, to figure himself out. I'm glad oh, yeah. that you know <laughs> I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad that he you know, he made amends with the both of them towards the end. After he figured his stuff out, who do I think he should have been with? Obviously, it was Ramona. Like, you know. Well, I think I think the problem is both of them needed to figure themselves out by the end of that series. Because let's face it, she has seven evil exes. That means there's something to- just as toxic about her. Well, well, some of those were exes because she moved a lot. That's that's fair. I'm not taking anything, but you know, well, oh, here, here's an even bigger, you know, monkey wrench in there. What if he ended up with the the female evil ex? She's not into boys. Yeah. Well, I'm, but maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe he brought her back. <laughs> oh, me, me. Wow. <laughs> Wait, what decade are we in? We haven't, we haven't progressed this far yet. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Oh, come on. That was funny right there. Hilarious. <laughs> and to, to go back onto one of our previous points there, the guy that that, that did the, that plays uh, Thrawn is uh, Lars Mikkelsen. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen's brother, right? Uh-huh. And, and he, did, he really? did do the voice in Rebels, yeah. Oh. So. So now both Mikkelsen brothers are within the uh, Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And when you see him without makeup, you're like, oh, yeah, I can cl- he, he's clearly Matt's Mickelson's brother. They look the same. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen any Ahsoka yet because I keep forgetting to get the login for Disney+. Yeah. Plus. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> man you, you brought up some good, good uh, discussion points there, Michelle. Yay! Oh, I knew, she, I knew she'd bring the heat. I knew she, like, even on the ones that there was really no, there was really, like, you know, like, we were both agreed on it. I knew there was at least going to be good conversation involved. Yeah. I, I, in all honesty, like I said, I wasn't expecting to have knocked down, drag out, screw you, hippie, and, you know, or anything else <laughs> like that. You're wrong. It was more along the lines of, you know, because you guys have such strong opinions. You know, uh, and well, most people do. It's just interesting to hear, you know, these different topics, you know, being discussed. Uh, you know, even if you you both agree, maybe there's a different reason. You know, you you choose one side, and and uh, Ted chooses another. Yeah. Well, no. It's well. The reality is, you know, it's like it's always going to be a spirited conversation. <laughs> <laughs> With the three of us, it usually is, or at least between the two of you, because, like I said, I can geek, but not to the geek level that you guys can go. Michelle, don't do yourself a disservice. You can you can hang in your own way. You may not be, you may not be the well actually level, but you can hang. Trust me. 
you can hang. Oh, hey, I'm all good, down for a good conversation and a good cup of joe and to listen to you guys talk about, you know, Koi Pell art and oh, you know, God. What, whatever it may be. So <laughs> you can't, you can't, fo- I, I'm not just charging myself any disservice by not being like, hey, it's not like I'm not a good sport or occasionally I'll be like, so did you guys know that I was reading Heir to the Empire? See, I'm, I'm, you know, what's funny is like you said that and I'm like, you have never told me that before that you were starting to listen to that. And I'm like, oh, I'm so happy for you to get to, because that's, that is one of those book series. Like if I could experience it again, fresh, like brand new eyes all over again, I would love to. Mm -hmm. If you get the chance, Ted, to listen to it on, have somebody else read it to you. And and especially with the, the sound effects and everything else, it, you know, it, it is nice, especially since, like, usually, you know, when you're going through video gaming or whichever else and you listen to a podcast or whichever else, you know, if, even yeah. if you pop out. And that's kind of what I did during tax season this year. Like, after a while, I couldn't listen to my Wayback playback on Spotify. So, you know, I, I was like, I need to listen to something else. And so that's how I got through, you know, the very last push for tax season was listening to uh, Quill Wheaton. The sweet, sweet sounds of Quill Wheaton. Quill Wheaton. Um, Why are you being weird? Ready Player One. Um, and hearing him tell me the, you know, the tale of Ready And they don't play the songs or anything. He's just straight out reading it. <laughs> but, well, yeah, because they, they, they're not going to pay to get the rights to a bunch of songs. No. Um, but even then, like after after finishing that book, like I had to go on Spotify and listening, listen, find the somebody. Obviously, several different people made a playlist um, of the songs that were in, you know, that were listed in there, as well as like I think what was in the soundtrack for the movie. Um, I could see that. But yeah, it is. I didn't just. I just recently, like within the past couple of days, it became available in my audiobook inventory to, for me to borrow from the library so that I could read it or read, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so you know, I I want to say like I listened to the first Harry Potter book, Ready Player One. Now I'm doing that one. Um, and so I have like this whole arsenal, and so now I'm like, I need to put the Martian on there. Yeah, let's listen to that one. Oh, so good. I I have the the physical copy of the Martian sitting behind me actually right now in in a pile because my one bookshelf collapsed a while back and I haven't replaced it yet. Oh no. Oh, that was a whole story, but that's beside the point. Um. But no, I'm, I'm just going to say, Michelle, when you you were talking about the Star Wars things and saying the sound effects, for some reason in my mind, I had to fight a laugh because my mind went to the clips of like the lightsaber duels. Mm-hmm. And everybody being like... Whoa, whoa, but no, whoa. but the sounds of the lightsabers were uh, Owen Wilson saying, wow. <laughs> if you have not seen that video, <laughs> oh my God, it cracks me up. Every day. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. I have not heard that. Oh, jeez. It's right up there with the the editing of that Hobbit scene where they put everybody having the Wilhelm scream. Oh, that was classic. (laughs) Yeah. But, okay, well, I guess this is about time to wrap up, you guys. So, I mean, we have have gone an allotted time, and uh, even then, you know, she's also out of topics. If she's out of topics, we'd still be going. Trust me, I could go for a long time longer. (laughs) 
It's been a long time since I've gotten together with the both of you. So almost a year now, actually. So so with that, I will say a thank you to everybody out there listening. If you want to get a hold of the show and tell me, tell any of us how we are wrong on any of our opinions, we don't care, but you can still tell us at standstrongcast at gmail.com. And so with that, I will also say thank you, Tony and Michelle, for joining me on this wonderful occasion. You're welcome. And with that, I will say talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye.